Hello and welcome to another episode of Outside is Overrated. This is episode 16, Tom and Joey's favorite co-op video games. I'm your host, Tom Awesome, and joining me once again this month is my dear friend, Hobbybox Burns. Welcome back to the show, Joey. Hey yo, good to be here. Apparently this is the episode where I gave up on trying to have clever titles. <laughs> Made it through happens. 15. <laughs> that happens. So we're going to build off last month's theme of cooperative gaming. Last month, we focused on board games. This year, we are going to discuss our favorite cooperative video games. We would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Visit their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. So it's only been a couple weeks since the last time we recorded. We're turning this around in record time. We are recording on September 6th, which is... Easily the earliest in the month OIO has come out this year, or has been recorded. So what have you been doing over the last couple of weeks? Well, mostly I've been doing fantasy football drafts, um, but otherwise, game-wise, what I've been playing is I played the new game from the developers that made uh, Into Until Dawn, which is called Man of Madan. Um, I've played the first couple hours of that. It's pretty interesting. I don't know if it has like the same appeal of Until Dawn yet. I really love that uh, back when that came out. Uh, I think that was a year after, so 2014 probably. And for people who don't know, Until Dawn was a horror survival game, very cinematic, where you're making yeah. choices that determine whether or not the characters live or die. If my, I haven't actually played it myself, but if my understanding is correct, um, you're basically like watching a horror movie and having some input over what the actions are. Yeah, so you had eight characters, and the whole thing was that based upon the choices that you made with those different characters, and there's some that allow you to have free movement and you're sort of exploring to find different items as well in the environment. But most of it is then making the choices at moments or if you're like running away, trying to do kind of your quick time events. Inputs. I love your quick time events hand movements. It's good. It's flicking moving. forward with your thumb. Now that, I'm doing it too. That right thumbstick, you know, it's effective. Uh, you have to get really good at it. Otherwise you screw it up. You could, someone could die. And so that was the whole shtick behind it is that you had these eight characters and you're going through the game and deciding whether what they're, you're deciding what they do, what decisions they make and your choices will end up either having them live and survive the horror movie or die in the horror movie. And you could finish the game with all of them dying at the end. You could finish the game with all of them staying alive or some combination in between. Uh, and so it was a really interesting novel idea. There'd been games that had done th- things like that, like the walking dead a little bit differently, but this was much more cinematic, looked really cool, almost looked like it was watching a movie for the most part. I'm pretty sure all of my characters would die. <laughs> uh, you know, you'd probably start to like one or two of them and really want them to like the Hayden Penetieri character. You'd probably want to, to Who's save, Hayden right? Penetieri. Um, oh boy. She was in lots of popular things. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is she was in Scream 4, but you probably haven't seen Scream 4, right? I've seen Scream 1. I've seen Scream something much later. <laughs> I might have seen it. I can't remember. You might have seen it. Is that after Sydney's gone? Sydney's the main character. In like Sydney's the, first the main movies, character, right? but she's in every single one of them. Oh. Um, Whatever. Nobody cares about Scream. <laughs> Are you enjoying Man of Madon? I am. I'm enjoying Man of Madon. Um, like I said, I don't know if I just haven't gotten to that point where it completely hooked me yet. It's also one of those games because it's like a movie. You kind of want to be in the right setting and mood for it. And after like playing it the first couple hours, I just haven't found that window of time that felt like okay. Now I'm going to sit down and. 
you know, sort of play this movie again. And so it's interesting. Uh, we'll see if by the end of this month and into next month I have a verdict on it, and I'll see if I can't write that up for OutsideIsOverrated.com. That would be awesome. We haven't posted an article in a while. Yeah, it's probably the last one was I think E3 it was E3. two years ago. Yeah. Or not last year, not this past year, but... So other than Man of Badan, I started playing Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. Is that sweet? It is. I liked it a lot. There, I could not believe how much I completely forgot about what the gimmicks of Final Fantasy VIII were. I remember the gun, gun blade and the timing of the attacks. Which was very hard to do on the Vita. Like It just it oh, didn't I've... feel right. Also, there's battles early on where you have to run away from this like boss character. Yeah. And to do R2-L2 on the Vita, it's like oh. some magic combination on the back touchpad. That oh, was super duper terrible. frustrating. Yeah, it was real awful. So yeah. really exciting excited to play the remake sometime not um, this year i've got other final fantasies to play yeah but i completely forgot about having to draw the magic from the enemies and i forgot all about the junction system and how that worked and that you started off with the summons right away so I don't know, it's been interesting i'm looking forward to trying to work my way through that some um, really cool stuff in that game i really enjoyed it i can't wait to go back to it also been playing monster hunter world which we're going to talk about oh quite we're a gonna bit. talk about that so much i can't <laughs> wait let's just skip everything else we just talk about monster hunter for an hour <laughs> Um, and then on the tabletop, I've been obviously playing more Gloomhaven, and then I've played a game called The Great Western Trail. What is The Great Western Trail? And so it's a game made by Andrew Fister. His last name's Fister. I don't know why. You never I forget that. a Fister, do you, Joey? <laughs> never, never forget that. Uh, but basically, the whole shtick of it is: is you are in kind of the not so old but west. And you are a cattle driver driving, trying to drive cattle from Texas to Kansas City in order to sell then your cattle to different cities across the way. And so what you're doing is you have a card of cattle in your hand. And then as you move along through the trail, you're trying to trade your cattle and do different things to get better cattle. So you have more breeding value for when you get to Kansas City and you can send the higher the breeding value, the further you can send your cows and the more victory points you get. What's the old stock market trading card game? Is that Pit? Is it? Is this yes. like Pit? I don't, I don't think it's like Pit. Where I you try to get different Pit. commodities and Pit was a big hit with the Sidlogic family, but I was too young to understand it. It it might be. That's something we'll have to maybe try at the uh, next uh, uh, game day. <laughs> Given how my friends took to Takedo, how our friends took to Takedo, I cannot wait to see how they react to uh, this is, trading cattle. Patrick, you're going to love this, dude. This is much different than Takedo, and it's I think it's much more interesting, and it's more Do active. you get to roll dice and kill dudes? You don't get to roll dice Oh, they're going to hate dudes. it, man. <laughs> Bring it. I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it, and we can make our friends miserable, and that has a certain amount of fun for me, too. <laughs> that, that is true. That is very true. For my part, I've, uh, I mean, my gaming time is limited because mm-hmm. I have a one-year-old and, you know, busy job and all that, blah, blah, blah. But I've been playing some Monster Hunter World here and there, and I'm just so in love with that game, and we'll dive into it later. I've played a little bit of Final Fantasy IX so far, and I am very surprised by the emotional connection I have with that game. Like, when I started it up, like, I started getting really excited. That's cool. Uh, So I can't wait to dive into that a bit more. I'm going on a trip to the Black Hills, not next week, but the week after, so hopefully I have some time to play on vacation. That would be awesome. Oh, I was also very excited because I was looking forward in the calendar for the rest of the Final Fantasy Challenge, and I didn't have a mobile version of ten. I thought I had it for PS4, and I had 12 on the PS4 uh, through a semi-legal copy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> semi-legal, meaning a friend's copy. Got, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so it's not that nefarious. I just totally blew it out of proportion. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. That raised some red flags for me. But I like having Final Fantasy Mobile because, especially in November, I do deer hunting for three weekends, so I'm away from home a lot, and I couldn't find my copy of Final Fantasy X for the PS4, so I'm like, well, I guess I better shop around and see if I can get these things on the Switch, and they were both on sale at GameStop over Labor Day weekend, so that was pretty awesome. I got both games for like 60 bucks. Nice score. Yeah, so that was awesome. So now I have every mainline entry that I care about in a way that's <laughs> playable today. <laughs> Is all that 13 salt just dripping? I don't remember exactly why I hated it so much, but that game just, oh. Oh, it was very divisive. I'm sure at some point as we get closer to the end of the Final Fantasy train, we'll discuss 13 in a little in a little detail. I mean, I hated a lot of the characters. I liked Snow. I hated the punch. No, that Lightning. I liked Lightning. I hated Snow, the punchy dude. He was just a big <laughs> doofus. I, uh, I liked the brother with the dual pistols and the bird in his hair. Uh, oh, yep. I, I hated the kid and uh, was it a young lady or a princess? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I hated most of the characters and <laughs> I thought that game broke me in Final Fantasy, but it turns out I still love the franchise, just hated that entry. Well, see, that happens sometimes. So if you want to get this nonstop excellent content in your <laughs> face all the time, if you want to see my live tweets of the NDSU Bison game that my father dragged <laughs> me to, I encourage you to follow us on social media. First, you can email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Tom underscore underscore awesome. You can find him hob- at hobbyboxburns. I see I still have my typo from last month's show notes in here. You Excellent. Do. Also, you've tweeted since February. Congratulations. I, I oh. tweeted out the last show, and I just had to rub it in your face that if people found the show through my tweet, you were completely invalidated. Speaking of people finding the show, it was very exciting when the Of Dyson Men uh, gaming podcast mentioned that they had discovered our show and that they enjoyed it. They have a couple thousand followers on Twitter, so we really appreciate the exposure, guys. Thank you so much, and we're really glad you enjoyed the show. You can also follow us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated or on Instagram at outside underscore overrated pod. Did you, like, age to 60? Since I last talked to you, because you just called it The Facebook, do you think if they put it into the Google, they could find the podcast also? The Tom could. (laughs) What about Show Tom? (laughs) I'm going to cut that reference from the show. (laughs) Then I will go into your brain with a laser and remove Show Tom from your brain. (laughs) Then I'll ask you to do the same to me, and you'll be like, who's Show Tom? (laughs) We'll see. Shoot. I have to do us at the same time. Dual lasers. I just pointed at both our heads and nobody could see it. I was going to say, I got lost with do us. So. Yeah. We're not just going to talk about video games in this show. It's uh, it's fantasy football season for both of us. And for as much as we love video games and entertainment and talk about it on this show, we are both big sports guys. And especially for me, the NFL is like my favorite form of entertainment. I love the NFL. I love the Vikings. And I love fantasy football. I do too. I... I... <laughs> Sorry. I, we didn't plan on this transition. I just like looked up like, do you want to say something? No, like, I, okay. I got myself lost in just thinking of a way to work in the basketball line of, oh, I guess you guys just aren't big sports guys. <laughs> but I got lost in that, and now it's completely ruined, and I just said it. Yeah. So, oh, that was that great reference. Yes. this is The show is flowing right now. It's oh, flowing. We are on fire, um, dude. I'm just throwing things out there from behind the meatballs and everything. But, yes, <laughs> I really love, I, I, I love sports and making – Sports, which 
if you've seen me before, it's pretty clear I don't play. <laughs> hey, you got some moves. I remember playing football with you. You picked me off twice in a game once. That is true. You're that wearing a big true. puffy vest. I was like one of only two players in my seventh grade football team that had an interception in the year. So there is that. Granted, it was mostly like a punt throw because the ball just sort of hung in the air and I, it just went right to me. But, you know, that was the most athletic thing I did my seventh grade year. Um, I, I, I played basketball but didn't make a basket in seventh grade. I was I was the manager for our basketball team in seventh grade. So, I mean, you know, I was I was my sport was pep band uh, and then drama. So, you know, and speech. So that was that was me, I guess, in high school. Mine was baseball. I played through 11th grade Uh, as an adult. I've grown very fond of golf. I like golf very much. I was on the golf team all six years. Never made varsity. Yeah, that's how good I am at everything. Yeah, (laughs) you can swing it a little bit, a little bit. But coming back to fantasy football, (laughs) I've played fantasy football forever. I started my first league in 1997 and it's still running today. And Joey, you joined that league in like 2006. So you're over a decade into it. Isn't that some shit? That's crazy. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Over those 22 years, I've played in at least 60 leagues, and that feels like a pretty conservative estimate. And I've been a commissioner for at least 30. This year, I am up to an astounding five leagues. See, and I've actually just backed down from five to four this year. Well, yeah, no, uh, yes, it is at four. There was a work league that was going to start, but then my my coworker's parents' house started on fire and he couldn't have the draft. So <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> but fire everybody's okay. League. Everybody's okay. House got struck by lightning and started on fire. Oh, so bummer. Yeah, craziness. Anyway, that was a weird aside. But yes, <laughs> I, I haven't been doing fantasy football for quite as long as you have. Uh, I think 2002 was the year I started my league and then was sort of in and out of leagues kind of as time went on with various different friends. And that's the interesting thing that fantasy football has kind of been for me is it's that connection still to groups of people that I knew at one point in time. And then it's really easy to just sort of stay in the fantasy football league. And so that's your one touch point with those people for the most part. So it's kind of interesting. At one point, the highest I ever got was seven leagues in one year. Oh, man, that sounds awful. Yeah, and it really just got to the point where it got to like the last couple of drafts. I just try to draft the same people I have in the other leagues, so it was easier to keep track of who I had. I totally get that. And it's an interesting thing with the touch points from different people in life because in my Yahoo League, for a while, we had people in four different states, most of the leagues in from Minnesota, because I lived here and most of my friends were here, but I moved out to Maryland, and we have a, I have a friend from out there. I spent some summers in Massachusetts. A guy from Massachusetts was in the league for a few years. One of our friends moved down to Florida. My brother-in-law lives in Arizona, so it's just this funny conglomeration. You lived in Texas for a few years, so yep. we were literally, this league was spread across the country. That's how important it was. That's my Yahoo League. Ron Dane's Butthouse Revenge, the most important fantasy football league ever. It is to me. It means so much to me. Like, you know, I've had major fights with my friends in this league, but I take so much pride in it. It's an IDP league, meaning you have individual defensive players. It used to have 25 players on the roster. I've won this some bitch twice. This year, I'm relying on Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, and Amari Cooper. And I just wanted to give a shout out to our friend Casey. We were at his house for the draft for this league, and he was telling us about the prep work that he did. Did you retain very much of that? I think I was 
trying to evaluate players or trying to make fun of them, the message boards. It was all about putting all of the defensive, because you draft, the the interesting thing about your league that's different from any other league that I'm in is that we draft eight individual defensive players for the defense. Used to be 11, but people complained that the draft was too long, so I made concessions. I actually yielded and cut three of them. Yeah, Uh, and so Casey, in order to evaluate the defensive players, makes a spreadsheet with all of their information on there that he's trying to track, and then he creates graphs of that and shows sort of the difference between the top 20% and like every sort of quartile or percentile or decile. I don't know what those words are. I'm not a statistician. Um, Neither is he. He's a chiropractor for Christ's sakes. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know, it's bonkers. He puts more thought into that than I, in one probably year, than I've ever put into fantasy football. And I've been doing fantasy football since 2002. So that's 17 years. (laughs) Casey is my arch rival in this league. I mean, he's probably my primary frenemy. He's a fun guy to have a rivalry with because not many people can match my level of passion on a number of things, but Casey brings it in spades. <laughs> so I play in this auction keeper league on CBS. I have a story from that league that I can't <laughs> wait to get your think- thoughts on. I play in a basic scoring league on ESPN where you only get points for touchdowns, kickers, and head coaches. <laughs> Which I, you know, it's not my favorite league, but it's relatively easy. Like, it doesn't take as much analysis. Touchdowns are kind of fluky. You just take your best shot on a bunch of guys. The rosters are real deep, so there isn't much of a free agent pool. And I like the group of guys, so it's fun to play in a league with them. Uh, I started a work league. This year, it's a 12-team PPR league. I created it last year with 10 players. I'm a big fan of Matthew Barry and the Fantasy Focus podcast on ESPN, and he always talks about how fantasy football is a way of bringing people together, and you should try to expose new people to, uh, I almost said Final Fantasy, but to (laughs) fantasy football, and none of my coworkers had ever played before. So there was enough interest that I started a league, and people got really into it. They had a lot of fun. They weren't very good at drafting the first year. I Mm -hmm. tried to coach, but when you have limited awareness of the NFL or how fantasy works and you don't know how the draft software works, things get a little wonky. They took... 12 quarterbacks in the first three rounds for 10 teams, and I didn't take one. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I scooped up Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey with my first three picks, and later somebody cut Joe Mixon when he was hurt. So (laughs) I kind of ran away with that league. Well, didn't run away with it. I barely squeaked into the playoffs, and then I outlasted Todd Gurley. (laughs) Then this year I joined you in a guillotine league. This is uh, completely new to me. We're playing on Yahoo, and... uh, Hopefully, I'm not the first person out of this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, so the history of my league. So I started my league, Hoobastank, Ubastank. It's the name it's always been. And Is this the league you started in 2002? Yeah. Holy but cow. It's, I it's, didn't realize I was stepping into your legacy. Yeah, but it's 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 been very different all the way through. So I guess what happens with it, what happens, I think, when you get into multiple leagues and it gets to the point where you're in six other leagues is you want to do something different. And so that's the one thing I've kind of done with my league as time has gone on is tried to just do different random things. Uh, there was one year that I didn't even run on Yahoo. It was on it was it was run on uh, Google Spreadsheet that I created and upkept. And it was you based, love your Google Spreadsheets, I, dude. I do love my Google Spreadsheets. I I, I have so much fun making uh, weird gambling games in spreadsheets. I don't know, it's interesting to me. Um, always the most fun you have in this you could have in a spreadsheet so and that was kind of like 
Daily Fantasy before Daily Fantasy really became a thing. So you could take players, and the only stipulation was if it was a top three player, you could only ever take them once in the year. Mm. If it was a next tier, like uh, sort of four through ten, you could only take them three times in the year, and then everybody else you could take as much as you wanted. Uh, So it was kind of interesting to sort of see how things went that way. And then you played head-to-head against everybody. Um, But yeah, this year we're doing a guillotine league. Uh, Did that last year as well. It was a pretty big hit. And it also, kind of like you said, it was a doorway for people that hadn't either were interested in football and hadn't played fantasy football or were more casual because it's like, well, if I suck, I'm just done and I don't have to worry about it. And that's the only reason that I joined another league this year. Like I had an opportunity to join another league with Casey with a bunch of more guys, which I would have taken a lot of pride in hopefully beating them, but I just couldn't agree to take on another league. With the Guillotine League, it's like, well, at some point I'll just be done with it, and then yeah. I'm done. Yeah, and so and so basically how it works, uh, the, the whole Guillotine name is that the lowest scoring team every week gets eliminated and all their players get released, and then uh, all the other players that are remaining in the league will do blind bidding to sort of pick up the scraps, vulture the players that were on their team onto their team. And so it kind of compared to other fantasy football formats, it keeps a rotation of players kind of moving. And it's also one of those weird things. Last year we found there was three times throughout the season that someone scored the most points one week and lost the next week. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. And that happened to me. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's all Le'Veon Bell's fault. Completely and totally that fucktard's fault. Excuse my French. This is an explicit episode, I hope. Um, They're all explicit. <laughs> Although I did cut the mf out of the last episode. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> I also, I forget what, you said something horribly offensive and I called you out for it, but the, it had stopped recording. Oh. And then uh, I said horribly something horribly offensive and I just cut it out. So we're still even. Okay. We're both, you know, we're terrific in good shape, people. <laughs> so yeah, um, so it should be fun again this year and I'm also possibly going to do a side thing for people that get eliminated if they want to participate. Oh, so, that's fun. I'm messing around with what that's going to look like. I just have to find out before next week, so I've got some time yet. <laughs> nice. So why do we love fantasy so much? It gives you that connection to people that you maybe don't get a chance to talk with, even if it's like a little bit of smack talk over a message board. Uh, one of the things I like to do with my league that kind of waxes and wanes with how difficult I get with or how busy I get with other things uh, is I like to send out wrap up emails every week uh, and kind of make fun of people that screwed up Uh, with a guillotine league. What it is, is I sort of go through the block of players that are going to be released and who are the key ones for people to maybe take a look at, usually with some weird, stupid snide comments thrown into there. Looking forward to those, dude. Yeah, but so it's it's a, I think it's a fun way to kind of have that little community around that. But I think the most important thing is it makes me a lot more interested in a lot more of the NFL games. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've kind of drifted more and more away from sports just because it feels like such a commitment. And having fantasy football to play makes me more interested in watching the random, oh, the Chiefs are on at three, I have Tyreek Hill, ah, let's just throw it on the background and see what he does. Or if you're actually at a sports bar, it makes it really fun, because kind of like how Charch has explained his setup in your interview on OIO. He also talked about guillotine leagues. Check it out, you can search for Charch. Yeah, and so it, it, it makes it really interesting, because you just sort of keep watching all of the different screens, and it's like, oh, there goes the guy I have. Oh, there goes Carlos Hyde. There goes this guy. Um, and, yeah, and, and, Carlos Hyde is going to be <laughs> explosive this year. Why he's the one that jumped to my head, I don't know. 
But I agree with those points. I also love that fantasy football gives me more heroes and villains within the league. Mm-hmm. You know, hating the Packers is one thing and the one true thing, but it takes it to a whole new level when Aaron Rodgers hits Randall Cobb for a ridiculous 75-yard touchdown on week one, costing you a game when you miss the playoffs by one game at the end of the year. And you look back <laughs> and you look at how many games where Randall Cobb topped 75 yards and it was one where he had that ridiculous 75 yard touchdown or when some when a defensive player wins you the game on Monday Night oh, Football with the coveted strip sack fumble recovery touchdown I once had a team in my league that was so incredible on Monday night, I had to rename my team to Monday Night Magic. I pulled out four (laughs) unlikely wins on Monday Night Football, including one where I needed a random defensive end to get four sacks against Aaron Rodgers in the pack, and he did it, and he did it in a quarter. (laughs) Yeah, that's the joys joys of fantasy football. (sighs) I love it, but sometimes there are things... That I don't love about it. Now, this is a fresh wound for me, but just a couple of nights ago, I had my auction draft for the Keeper League. Now, the main reason I'm still in this league is because Phoenix likes to help me with it. Like, she's too intimidated to take on a team of her own, but she likes running a league with me, and it's Keeper League, so we have keepers to talk about all year, and it's something that we've really enjoyed doing together. So we had our auction the night before the season started on Wednesday. We got a late start. Which is a bummer, but it happens. One of the league mates was running late, and they decided not to start without him. I get it. But then, third player in the auction, a player that I'm actively bidding on, my internet goes out. And so like, I go from actively bidding to leaving the draft, which you might think is cause for concern. Like, maybe someone should check on him. Mm-hmm. I texted my brother immediately because my brother was live at the draft with the commissioner. Of course, he didn't check his phone. Uh. And they just kept rolling. They didn't stop. So I lost the player that I was bidding on, Aaron Jones. Not that big a loss. If I could get him for the right price, I would have been excited. Not a big deal. But there were two players that I was hell-bent, absolutely hell-bent. I was not going to leave this auction without Josh Jacobs, rookie running back for the Oakland Raiders. And guess who the next player up? Well, I was still disconnected from the draft. They didn't pause. They didn't stop. They put up Josh Jacobs, and he went for something like $29.00 well below what I was willing to spend on him. So that was super-duper frustrating. And then, like, I'm trying to log in on my phone, and my internet pops back on, so I'm able to log back in. Like, they didn't stop. They didn't apologize. They just kept rolling, and they wouldn't even, like, recap what players had been gone. Like That stinks. Oh, it was brutal. So that sucks. Rough start. You know, I'm salty, but uh-huh. I haven't gone off the deep end yet. Then multiple players are having – issues bidding on players so like they're saying a player would go for $15 and people are saying I couldn't bid I couldn't bid I couldn't bid I couldn't bid and it happened all the time the CBS platform is clearly broken but this (laughs) league won't move off of it because the league history is there Uh like there's an almanac of the league and I get that that's important but you know something has to be done the commission decided arbitrarily to restart the bidding on some players but not on others so I also went in this draft hellbent to get T.Y. Hilton. He was my big sleeper pick. I'd kept two receivers. We start three. He's a number one receiver, and I felt like he was being vastly undervalued. That people think that because Andrew Luck is gone, like the Colts season is over. So I was going to snake him. I was willing. I told Phoenix as the bidding started that we were going up to like $65 for him because we had our starting running backs. We had two of our three receivers. He was going to be our big ticket purchase, especially after mis- missing out on Jacobs. And, uh, he went for $23 as I frantically clicked bid and 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 bid. It just never worked, huh? Never worked. And I start screaming in the message board, stop the auction. I couldn't bid. Put him back up. Nothing. They just keep rolling with the auction. So 
that happens. And then, like, later, Geronimo Allison is on the board. Arguably, maybe a number two, more likely a number three receiver for the Packers. He goes for $4. They restart the bidding on him. And instead of four, he goes for $5. (laughs) What the F are you stopping for? Like, this is not a different... I legitimately missed out on a potential difference-making wide receiver right. because I couldn't bid and they wouldn't restart the bidding. And I was just furious. At this point, like, I went off the deep end. Like, I lost my S in this league, and, like, I am screaming profanities in the message board. <laughs> and, you know, I don't get an apology. I don't get any sign of empathy. The commissioner simply said, can't hear you. You're not at the draft. And so I said, cool, I'm never paying my league dues. <laughs> I was right on the fence about quitting mid-draft. No, and that's completely understandable. I mean, I think, and I guess I can speak from direct experience with this, because we were, unfortunately, we were drafting the Guillotine League at at about the same time. The timing overlapped uh, with... I missed out on Emmanuel Sanders because I was bidding on someone in this GD League. Yeah, and so, but when you lost your internet, I instantly paused the draft and then when I didn't hear back from you yet, I paused it again. And granted, I didn't think you were too eager to get David Njoku as a tight end. But it's end. a courtesy thing. Like, it's a courtesy thing of... I also want to point out, I logged in for this draft over an hour early. Mm-hmm. Like, I was sitting there waiting. I waited through the late start. Like, I was talking on the boards. Like, I was there. I was yeah. present. Like, you kicked out mid-bidding, and they don't even consider pausing so there, after delaying it for 15 minutes for someone who showed up late and then couldn't log in. Were there other people that weren't there that they paused it and reverse picks for, too? No. It seemed to be that they would only do it for people there. Oh, here's here's the kicker. Here's the best part of the whole thing. Uh-oh. Do you know who got Josh Jacobs? The, the commissioner. commissioner. If I did that in Yahoo... My dearest friends in the world would literally rip the skin off of my bones and then break my bones and make it into funny hats. I probably wouldn't because I'm not that high on Josh Jacobs, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do how and Casey would be there oh, with yes, their they would. pitchforks. And like, you know, I get that there can be controversy. We had a thing in Yahoo a couple of years ago where one guy didn't know how the system worked. He didn't get D'Angelo Williams. And like, I didn't realize he was serious when he asked me to stop the draft oh. to get D'Angelo Williams. <laughs> so like six picks go by and I realize that he's serious because like he's texting me. So I pause the draft. I figure it out. I'm like, all right, well, clearly he meant to do it. Meanwhile, D'Angelo Williams had gone about six picks later to my best friend, and uh, we almost lost our friendship over that. (laughs) Bullshit. Yikes. It's just crazy. So, like, you know, I have some empathy that things go wrong, but I just, I would have appreciated an apology or some acknowledgement that it's a shitty situation. Anything really goes a long way. Just a little bit goes a long way. And so I waited a full day. I posted in the league message board. I wrote basically this magnus opus, really well written. I toned it down. I tried to take a lot of the emotion out of it, but Uh I said, this is bullcrap, and I expect some kind of empathy and consistency. Whatever. And I guess I probably wasn't the best when you had texted us earlier about it and just sort of said, I'd just just not pay and drop all your players and leave the league instantly. (laughs) Believe me, I thought about it. I'm not paying. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, they can do what they want about the league dues. Mm-hmm. So Feeney and I have talked about this, and she would be all right if we quit because I was livid about this. But we decided that we're going to try to play it out. We're going to play to win, and we hope that we win the league and we can just do a mic drop. F you guys, we're out of here. So cheer for us. 
because uh, everyone loves cheering for someone else's fantasy team when they're not in the league. Right, exactly. Quick aside, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people tell me about fantasy teams <laughs> in a league that I'm not in. <laughs> Especially, like, if you play in a league with me, yeah, we can have a discussion about what's going on in our league. But, mm-hmm. like, if you're playing with people I don't know, I don't care. Like, I have enough leagues. Well, and I just need to point out, because I didn't say it before, but I am also a two-time champion in your league. So I just want to make sure that that's out there, that we have the same amount of championships. But you've been in the league a lot longer, so it's really my win percentage is higher. I don't know if your win percentage is higher. You had some rough years early in the league. Championship win percentage is higher. Oh, sure. Championship, yeah. yeah. That's a stat that everyone carries around on their resume. I'm pretty sure the first three years I was in the league, I won two games total. It was like I was abysmal. The transition to IDP is pretty rough. One time our uh, fraternity brother Ben was in the league, and uh, I love this story. Like he and another guy in the fraternity were in the league, and the internet went out at the house right when the draft started, and I didn't realize that. And he'd only put one player in his pre-rankings, Kevin Williams, defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. And he had like the second pick, and he got Kevin Williams. (laughs) Now, that was a different era. We probably had like eight or ten players in the league back then. It was before we made the jump up to 12, which we've been at since the early 2000s, but just a fun story from our history. I will say, do I, I know I know it's tough, and I know scheduling, like especially if you have 17 teams in the league like mine does, it's really tough to make sure you have a time that works for everybody. But once someone goes on auto-draft, you find whatever way you can to cheese it to get them out of money as fast as possible. Um, we had figured out bits and pieces of the system so that if you knew that they needed a certain player and that person had a high projected value, if you bid them up, that team's automatically going to bid them at their projected value. And so it's like, okay, let's get rid of that $25 that you have on your team. Yeah. Put up Melvin Gordon. Good luck. Though, actually, I think his value is actually adjusted, so that one wasn't too bad. I tried to put up Golden Tate, and his value had been adjusted, so now that's why I have him on my team. Awesome. But, I mean, I don't need him until later. Side note also, the Guillotine League, three-fourths of my starters have Week 12 bye. (laughs) So as long as I can make it to Week 12, I think I'm okay. (laughs) Totally. Well, that was a long conversation about fantasy football. I mentioned that I hate hearing about other people's leagues. Hopefully that wasn't too bad for people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also, you know, we say we hate hearing about it, but if you play in an interesting league or have interesting rules or any sort of of interesting things that you do, reach out to us on all the social media areas. Let us know what you do, and we can maybe include it in our next episode. That'd be a lot of fun. I, I am especially interested in punishment leagues where there's some sort of punishment for the loser. Again, something I heard from Matthew Barry here is all these crazy stories where like people get tattoos or all of that. Like I've always wanted to play in a league where there's some consequence for playing dead last. And it could be as simple as like having someone else name your team for you or something, but you know, that's an avenue I've always wanted to do, but none of my friends were bold enough in Yahoo, you bunch of wieners. So last last thing on this, because I know we're trying to transition away from the fantasy we're football. We're trying so hard, but I just don't have a good transition into So I came up with the brilliant idea while we were drafting, because we had a Google Hangout where we were BSing throughout the auction for the guillotine league. And when Tyler Lockett got put up, I said it would be a great idea if whoever gets Tyler Lockett had to buy a locket 
and put a picture of him and Tyler Lockett in it, and then it's the Tyler Lockett Lockett. And so this is the bad boy that I purchased that Joe McMartin will be receiving. It's a silver heart that says, I love you to the moon and back, and there will be a picture of Joe and then a picture of Tyler Lockett in that locket, and I will be presenting that to him next week once he is eliminated from the guillotine league because it will happen. That locket will go to whoever picks up Tyler Lockett. Oh, and that, that is my plan. That is so fun. If I had a locket, I'd probably put me and Seth Rogen in it. Uh, see, there you go. I, I mean, that's an interesting choice. Uh, you obviously like ginger beardy Jewish dad men. Bods. Yes, yeah. yeah, dad bods. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's why you like me, huh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so for, my t- for Tom Awesome's top five today, we're going to talk about... Top five Seth Rogen movies. Shazam! It's time now for... The Final Countdown! Tom Awesome's Top Five Countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Tom Awesome's Top Five. Now, I've been a big Seth Rogen fan for years. I liked his character in Freaks and Geeks. I thought Undeclared was a vastly underrated show, and I loved him in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Now he is kind of bordering on Benedict Cumberbatch territory for having Samesy's characters across movies, Uh, but I just saw The Long Shot last weekend, and I really enjoyed it. So a quick synopsis of the film, Rogan plays a quirky journalist who ends up working on speeches for the Secretary of State. Nice typo in my show notes that nobody else can see, but it annoys me to no end. I can see it. Yeah, Joey can see it too. Secretary as state. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't rushing through this us today at all. (laughs) So Charlize Theron is playing the hot Secretary of State who is working to become the first female president of the United States. They really toned down her beauty in the movie. Like, watching the interviews of her afterwards, like, she is still just gorgeous. And she looked, I mean, not normal, but really toned down for most of the movie. Uh, So anyway, she's working to become the first female president of the United States, and he knew her from when she babysat him as a kid. He falls in love with her, and the story looks at the pressure of someone in a public office trying to have brief moments of a normal life. I don't know. I don't think it was a great movie. I, I don't think it was in theaters very long. I don't know how it did, but... It was cute, and it made me laugh a lot, and Phoenix liked it too. So in honor of the great Rogan himself, here are Tom Awesome's top five Seth Rogan movies. Number five, 40-Year-Old Virgin. I mean, it's not necessarily, he's not a leading character in it, but he's Mm -hmm. one of the main crew of guys in it, and he was really funny in it, and I think that was his big movie breakout role. I mean, he'd worked with Judd Apatow on TV shows, yeah, because he was on like Freaks and Geeks, but he didn't break out from that. That was probably part of what started to cap- catapult him, or at least got him in the Judd Apatow stable more regularly, I guess. Well, he did two TV shows with Judd Apatow, because I think Apatow also did Undeclared. Yes. Which was just criminally like under... Loved that show when it was out. I loved it, too. I didn't watch it when it was out, which is probably why I got canceled. Just, you know. <laughs> but, well, but then again, Fox was... Because ter- that was on Fox, right? Yes. I think Fox was terrible about Firefly. Prime example we talked about a lot last episode. Was Freaks and Geeks a Fox show too? I'm pretty sure it was. So Fox is terrible at putting good shows out there and keeping them on there. I mean, like with Firefly, they moved the date that that was on weekly all the time. It was on a different day each week, so nobody could really consistently watch it. And I'm sure they did similar crap with this. 
one benefit of them killing shows too early, though, is, you know, the shows stay pure. They never go downhill. Like, we have our eight episodes of Firefly, and they're still awesome. That is true. Anyways, number four, Seth Rogen in a leading role, knocked up. I was a big, uh, what's her name fan? Catherine Catherine Heigl? Heigl, Heigl? yeah. Heigl? Yeah. I am terrible at pronouncing actors' names. I mean, at least it wasn't turd dick. (laughs) 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 Catherine turd dick Heigl. I mean, I think that's fitting. She seems to not have the greatest of attitudes from people that have worked with her. But yeah, but yeah. I like that movie a lot. He was really funny in it. It was kind of a breakout role for him. And I think since then, he plays a lot more secondary characters or he isn't quite in the uh, spotlight as much, which I think fits him. Anyways, number three, another one of my absolute favorite movies. He's not a main character in it, but he has a pretty memorable role in it. Fanboys. Actually, he plays two roles in that movie. I've never seen Fanboys. That's the one about going to conventions, right? No, that is about going to Skywalker Ranch to... Ah, uh, uh, okay. It's a group of friends that has kind of drifted apart, but then they find out one of them is real sick. And like they, the thing that had always brought them together was Star Wars. And this was before Episode One came out. And uh, it looked like he wasn't going to make it to actually see Episode One, so they devised a plan to drive to Skywalker Land. Skywalker Ranch break in and see the movie. Interesting. So it's kind of a road trip heist movie and uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's funny and Kristen Bell is in it and she is wonderful. Jay Baruchel is in it. Mm-hmm. I like him too. You should really check that movie out, Joey. I think yeah. you'd like it. Any I'll any of to. my close friends would just love fanboys. <laughs> Number two, Superbad, which I believe Rogan co-wrote. Yes, yeah, him and Evan Goldberg. Goldberg, there you go. Yeah, so he had a small role in that with Bill Hader. They were cops, and I just I love both those actors, and I thought it was a very fun role, and I could watch that movie probably a thousand times back to back and never get sick of it. Yeah, Superbad would be my number one of all these movies, and um, well, fun- clearly you're wrong because number one is sorry. Do you have a point you wanted to make? I did have one point I wanted to make. Go. Um, fun fact about Superbad. Screw you. Number one is This is the End. This is the End is really good, too. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What were you saying about Superbad? Oh, no. I, uh, so when I was teaching, I actually showed this in class, Superbad. The full movie? The full movie. Huh. Um, I had seen it in the theaters, definitely forgot about the, the penis drawing part, but everything else. You know seemed... what foods are shaped like dicks, Joey? <laughs> All the best ones. <laughs> Um, it was one of those things where we were doing this really long Mark Twain unit on Huckleberry Finn. And first off, I hate that book with a passion. One of my least favorite classics um, that I've ever had to teach. Basically, one of my classes had sort of floated it out that if we complete this unit a day and a half early so that we would have the last two days before Christmas break open, would we be able to watch a movie for that? And I was like, well, what movie would you guys want to watch? And then they were like, well, why don't we do something like Superbad? And I was like, okay, well, I'll look into that. And It's made, stunning that you're not still a teacher, Joey. I, I <laughs> made the mistake of not watching it again before I put it on the first class. And yeah, I, the... If it wasn't for the penis showing game, that would maybe have been borderline. That kind of sent it over the edge. But, hey, all the kids achieved the goal, so that's a good thing. Christopher Mintz Platts is also one of my favorite actors. Yeah. I love him. No, I mean, and it's just fantastic. And and like you said, Bill Hader, that's like when I first really saw a lot of him. 
and he's kind of quickly becoming one of my favorite comedic actors, like especially if you've ever watched Barry. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Love him. Yeah, and so uh, he's fantastic, and I don't know, that that movie will always be kind of like just hold like a little special place in my heart just because it's just so interesting and so funny. Didn't Hayter also star in Trainwreck with, uh, uh, what's her name? I think he was yeah, like Amy the main. Amy Schumer, right? Yeah, Amy Schumer. Yeah, he was the main character in that, and I love that movie too. Could be. I haven't seen that. Oh, you should check that one out too. Anyways, number one, <laughs> this is the end. You know, it's uh, it's Seth Rogen and his crew, Jay Baruchel, James Franco, Danny McBride. Like, it's just irreverent and over mm-hmm. the top about the end of the world, and it kind of relaunched the Backstreet Boys, which made my wife very happy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so much fun. I actually went and saw that with uh, Lance down in Fort Worth. Um, and it was just a blast, like and just wonky, crazy stuff happening all the time. Oh, who's the black guy who was also in Hot Tub Time Machine? He's awesome. Um, Craig, uh, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Yeah. Love yep. him. And that was the first like movie that I really saw him featured in. Yep. Not and a big t- office guy. I didn't realize he was on there until way after. Yep. Danny McBride, Channing Tatum, <laughs> all, all, all fine performances, Oscar worthy performance from Channing Tatum. Yeah. In that. He's awesome, too. <laughs> Anyways, honorable mention for Seth Rogen movies. Basically, everything he's ever done. Here's my list. Observe and report. Vastly underrated. Came out about the same time as Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and a <laughs> billion times better. Neighbors. I'm a big Zac Efron fan, too, and those two were wonderful together. Paul, he did the voice of the alien. I think Bill Hader was in that film as well. Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, not movies, but they're awesome, so everyone should watch them. And then tweet at Fox how dumb they are for canceling these shows. So what did we miss? Tweet your thoughts at Tom underscore awesome. And make sure you also tag at HobbyBoxBurns on the Twitter machine. I would say two that you forgot that stand out to me anyway are 50-50. Never seen it. Never seen it. It's with him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Big and Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan too, but never got around to that. Yeah, one. and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is uh, diagnosed with cancer and he's kind of his best friend. And oh. just sort of they're like kind of going through that whole thing together. Sounds heavy. Yeah, it's it's heavy, but it's funny. It has a lot of funny sort of things about it. Is that a it. serious-ish role for him? Uh, Not really, because he's kind of playing like... He's playing Seth Rogen. He's guy. like the the friend trying to like keep his spirits up, kind of sure. thing. And then the other one is, and I was wondering what you thought of this movie, The Interview. Never actually saw it. Never saw it either. Not the biggest James Franco fan, so that one didn't jump to the top of the list for me. I could see that, but I do. I like the controversy that it created. Yeah, and I really do like the role that Seth Rogen plays in that. Um, I think he's not like the main main character, but he's definitely you know, one of the top supporting actors in that movie. Um, And he just does a really good job of playing kind of the straight man in that movie, which is a little different from what he typically would be doing. I would, I would recommend that as well, just to sort of see a little bit different side of him. And you can skip Green Hornet. (laughs) I mean, he wrote that one too. It wasn't awful, but probably my least favorite Seth Rogen movie. Oh, Hey, we've been at this for a long time already. And we're just getting to video games. So fantasy football is awesome. But for me, my absolute favorite hobby is video games. Video games have always been a social activity for me, whether I was playing with the neighbors as a kid or with my brothers or my friends. When I lived in Maryland, my brother brought a PS3 so that we could play games online as a way of staying connected. Since there are so many cooperative video games experiences out there, we decided to pick some of our favorite genres and we chose one of our favorite or our favorite co-op experience from each of those spaces. So we'll start it off with shooters. I'm not a big shooter guy, 
Did you want to start with this one or do you want to go with mine? Yeah, I can start first. Um, so the one I picked was Call of Duty. Not picking a specific one, but I think I think it was World at War was the first real one that had that. The zombies modes in the Call of Duty games. Those were so much fun. There'd be times and Call of Duty always had this weird thing on the PS3 where you would get these weird NAT type error messages. And so it would be me and my roommate now, Lance, and then Chewy and Clovis all trying to get together on PS3. It was almost always Clovis's PS3 that caused problems that wouldn't allow him to join the group. But we would sit there literally for probably 40 minutes trying to do that. And that was all because playing zombies was so much fun in that. Very typical horde mode zombies thing. It just got so crazy and wonky at times. And as you got further on, you, it was it was all sort of this weird Rube Goldberg machine of, okay, the zombies no start coming. I what that means. A Rube Goldberg machine? Correct. So a Rube Goldberg machine is like where you drop a marble in one spot and it kicks off everything. So think of the oh, game sure. Mousetrap. Yep. Once it goes off, it does all these chain reactions without any intervention. You're judging me with your eyes, Joey, and I do not like it. I was just, I was surprised. I, was, I didn't mean to judge. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's like as you get further on, all these weird other things start to happen and you keep having to come up with what is the best way for us to control the situation. And it really does come down to cooperation and communication to being like, okay, I'm going to rush ahead to get to this and turn the electricity on so that we can get back and get the double tap soda. And then that means we're going to be able to shoot more of these zombies. You guys have to focus on these two windows here. We don't care if they come through that doorway because that's a bottleneck and we can shoot them. And it's just you're always coming up with, okay, that didn't work this time. So let's focus on standing in this room. And Chewy, you make sure you got that door. If something starts coming in, we got to go over to this room instead. And it's all about sort of learning as you play through everything. And I, I think that was just that was a really fun co-op experience uh, over the internet. Um, I think it was made by the group that you played with it. Like I played the zombie modes with my brother who isn't very good at shooters. I mean, he's just not as hardcore a gamer mm -hmm. as I am. And it's just, we enjoyed dinking around with a little bit, but we never got super far into it. Oh yeah. No. And I think that was what was fun. And then like the next year's mode, that's when it got wonky and had like Danny Trejo was in it. And all of these others, there was like four character actors that were, the characters that you played. Huh. And then there was the one, which was my Halloween costume last year where you were the four, we were the four foreign dignitaries. So it was JFK, Richard Nixon. Gosh, I can't remember the name of who the secretary of defense was. And then Fidel Castro and your running around this sort of nuclear base, trying to kill zombies that are coming. And they just kept getting weird with the zombies mode. And so I always just really enjoyed those. Haven't played a Call of Duty in years. I would guess that if I picked up one of them again, that would be what I'd gravitate towards. And I'd try to convince at least three other people to get together so we can jump into it again and see what we can come up with. That's awesome. Mine was Evolve, which is a game that you and I played together quite a bit. Yes. We had uh, our four-player group of you and me and Lance and Eric Rivard. Mm -hmm. This was a sweet monster hunting game that we played together on the PS4. Four players choose heroes from different classes and take on a huge monster controlled by a fifth player, someone not in your group, that mm -hmm. is trying to eat you all. Uh, it never seemed to catch on with a mainstream audience, and the servers have been turned off 
but that game was a lot of fun. And in, with a group of players, that was as much fun as I had shooting things. Yeah, I tried playing that individually at times. I tried playing as the monster a few times, and I never really... I don't know. I think a lot of what made that game fun for us was that it was that we were trying to go through it and figure out what the monster was going to be doing. And what makes that more interesting, I think, than even zombies is that you can't sort of default back to, well, this is what the programming is going to do. So let's do this because another human player, especially if they were seasoned at being the monster could come up with the most wonky, weird things. And then there's always the random crocodiles that would come up and ruin any well-thought-out plan anyway. Oh, man, the environment was brutal. They did a really nice job of putting in harsh, endemic life. <laughs> I still remember that one time we were walking through, and it's like, okay, I think we got away from the monster. All of a sudden, I'm getting rolled by a freaking <laughs> crocodile through the water, just like losing my health like mad. Uh, and not even the greatest healer on earth could save you. Not even the greatest healer on earth. From shooters, let's move to fantasy action so that I can talk about the game that I am absolutely nutty about right now. I have mentioned it a hundred times over the last three episodes of the podcast, a thousand times in, <laughs> in Slack channel with my friends, and about a million times in just general references. Monster Hunter World. Apparently, I really enjoy taking down big monsters with my friends. Now, in Monster Hunter World, you have a variety of weapons to choose from. You fight everything from poison-spewing birds and a T-Rex that hurls fire at you to monstrous electric flying squirrels. <laughs> it's really well-balanced. Played with a much higher-level player early on, and uh, he wasn't just killing all the monsters in one hit. Like, they seemed to... I was still able to do damage. I was able to feel like I contributed, and just phenomenally well-balanced, and... The more I play that game, the more and more and more I fall in love with it. I think the good design design decision they went with that helps with that aspect of it is you only see the damage that you're doing on the screen. So I'm and there's no there. like health bar for the monster. You never know how many hit points the monster has left. Yeah, it's really just going off the visual cues as if to if it's like crying or limping or if it's favoring a certain side or something like that to understand if you're actually making it. Big a monsters don't cry, Joey. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because I'm sitting there and I'm I'm using a lance and shield and I'll thwack it really good and it's like oh I got 36 damage on that hit. That's awesome. That's like the most I've gotten. And then you'll randomly say oh it's 300 there and it's like. <laughs> 130 is about my high end right now with my still, sweet fire hammer. But yeah, it's 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 a really interesting game. I did not expect to get into it as much. I wasn't sure either. I mean, it uh, there are so many systems in this game. Like you have to eat before you go out for missions. There's a mm -hmm. billion different types of missions you can do. Uh, there's all the different types of weapons. Uh, there's different monsters running around like besides the one that you're hunting, and they'll stumble into each other and they'll fight, or they'll mm -hmm. stumble across you and they'll fight you and. It took me a little while to get hooked. It took me probably 10 hours or so. Like mm -hmm. Eric and I played one full day, and that was awesome. Uh, but I wasn't quite sold then. And then I logged back in randomly. We were trying to play something else. What were we trying to play? Were we trying to play Overwatch and like we hadn't downloaded the update or yeah, something we like that? Yeah, we were trying to play Overwatch, and Eric hadn't downloaded the update, and everyone was updating on Monster Hunter, so we just jumped in. And then I have been absolutely hooked since then. I told a friend of mine, like I have a Slack channel with a few friends, and I said, I want to play Monster Hunter, just generally. And my friend Billy was like, when do you want to play? And I said, every minute of every day. <laughs> I think because uh, actually when we last played, I, I was talking to Billy about that because he also has sort of the destiny fatigue that I had. Well, I mean, I just outright hate destiny, but and, but I was trying I was really trying to think of what it was that maybe I liked 
why I liked Monster Hunter World and didn't like Destiny because there are a lot of similarities in that you're going to sort of the similar places and kind of doing the same types of things as time goes on. I think it's a lot more fun to upgrade your equipment in Monster Hunter. That's a big draw. I think that is one thing. I think the other thing, and it really comes down to something that seems like a really simple system, I think the bounty system goes a long way. You have these six random things that you sign up for. It adds another... And they could be simple, like collecting flowers or bugs to taking down a specific monster. Taking down or capturing a specific monster or mining in the different mining deposits. And it just, it makes you, as you're running through things... It, it, it adds a different lens to the world instead of it's just like, okay, I got to run through these three zones to be able to get to here so that we can go through the library. It's like, oh, sweet. I found a flash bug. Yes. Yeah. And it's like it actually makes it interesting to find where these things are. And you start to then it, it also it rewards you for learning the maps more and and. So that, okay, I need minerals now. I know that there's some there and there and there. So I should start at this camp because I'm going for this monster, which is down at this camp. And and so it it rewards you for buying into the game more and more. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, Capcom, they've had how many different franchises that have been super popular, yet Monster Hunter World is their highest selling game of all time. That's awesome. I mean, it's an amazing experience. It can be overwhelming. I am taking a lot of pride in getting other friends into it, mm-hmm. trying to take them under my wings and get them through the early stuff and kind of explain, well, this is what you need to do be, to be successful. And uh, I look forward to playing some higher level missions with you and with Billy and with our other friends who are playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to playing a lot more of it as well. The other game that I had that kind of falls into the fantasy action area and not surprising, it's also a Capcom game, is Resident Evil 5. Now, Resident Evil, I don't know if we've ever talked about it much on the podcast. I don't think so. Here's my history with Resident Evil. I played one. <laughs> I loved the first one on PlayStation, but I never beat it. And I have this thing where like, if I read a book, I go cover to cover. If I read a magazine, I'm almost always cover to cover. It is very difficult for me to jump in midway through a numbered series. Yeah, and so... I always was really fascinated with Resident Evil. Tried to play the game and couldn't. The controls in 1 and 2 are so like just weird and wonky and the whole tank control thing and moving around a corner and then your whole sort of the way you move the character changes and not being able to aim and everything just drove me up a wall to the point where even though I really wanted to play the game, I I had the demo of Resident Evil 1, which had all of the soundtrack or all of the voice lines from the entire game on it. Hmm. And I would go in and listen to all of the voice lines over and over because I just thought it was stupid and campy and (laughs) hilarious, but I could not play the game. So Resident Evil 5, though, was when it started to get into the more the action-oriented aspects of Resident Evil. I thought it was 4 that was the big turning point. 4 was a big turning point, but then 5 allowed you to play the game co-op. And Uh, so here Chewie and I ended up playing through... Almost the whole game. I think we didn't quite get to the end, but we went through the game co-op and it was just a lot of fun. Granted, it's just moving through hordes and hordes of zombies and then fighting a few bosses here and there. And I I really couldn't tell you what semblance of a story there was in it, but it was just a lot of fun to just go from 
wacky impossible scenario to next wacky impossible scenario and then oh shoot i'm down i thought i had this and running over to try to save the other person <laughs> and then just kind of going through the grind again i don't i just remember having a lot of fun the few uh the few times that we played through that and so that's why that would fall on this part of my list do you think it'd still be fun today given how video games have evolved? I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it's last gen. It's not horribly old. It was 360 PS3. Yeah. It probably would be. It would be interesting to go back and try it. Um, It does make me really want to pick up the RE2 remake, though, because it's very similar controlling to that, which I can handle and understand. And from what I've heard from everybody, RE2 Remake is fantastic. And so that would be a way that I could go back. I tried playing RE Remake and still just it was still just really hard to try to get through that early phase. Here's what we'll do. I'll play the RE1 remake. We'll like set a Saturday aside. Okay. We'll set up two TVs in my basement. I'll play <laughs> RE1. You play RE2, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get the whole thing. I think that's a good idea. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Next up on the list is Brawlers. Yours is kind of old school, so I'm going to take the lead on this one again. I love Dragon's Crown. This is a game that it came out originally on PS3. It's since been remastered for PS4. It's a dungeon-crawling fantasy brawler for up to four players. I'm playing through it with Phoenix. Button mashing is a perfectly viable option, but there is a lot of depth to the combat as well that I approach, and we are really having a ball playing through it together. Yeah, I had that on Vita, played it a little bit, and then needed to delete it so I had room on my Vita for something else that I was playing. But I would like to get back to it. It is a lot of fun. I love the art style. It's that kind of... Very stylistic. I mean, the women are super... Everyone's over the top. But like yeah. the female sorceress's boobs are just like flying everywhere. Yeah, it did get kind of dragged through the coals a little bit for that decision. But, you know, some people like that. Some people don't. I, it, it seems like a really fun game. That is one that I'd really like to get to along with like Odin Sphere, Left Panzer, which I bought on PS4 when they uh, released the remake for that. I'd really like to get back to that, too. It's a similar type of game, a little bit different, but uh, both those seem like they'd be a lot of fun to just jump into and kind of let your mind go to the side and just blow through enemies. Yeah. What's your choice for best cooperative brawler? So, yeah, so I jumped way back to, like, the Book It time of our lives with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. Yeah. Well, and then the and then the was that the SNES that that came out on SNES port? I think it was. I don't recall it being in the SNES because I didn't have that, but they did re-release it in the Xbox Live Arcade, so oh, I have it on did. 360. Ah, that game's just so much fun. Just running around as whichever Ninja Turtles your favorite. I mean, we all know Raphael's the best. Donatello is the best. You are correct. So, so you know, you're running around as Raphael. As Donatello. The, the best. And flipping dudes with your bow staff. Stabbing them to death with your sigh. Come on. But anyway. Stabbing them to death. They're robots, for Christ's sake. We can all agree Michelangelo's worthless, right? Actually, I hate Leonardo the most. Really? I would rank them Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, Leonardo. So, I, I would rank them Raphael, Donatello, Leonardo, Michelangelo. So I guess if we kind of figured that out, Donatello would move up to the top. You but, know what would really change your perspective? Hmm. The second Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. The I, second one is so good. I'm not opposed to seeing them. All right, movie night. Let's wrap <laughs> this shit up and let's watch some Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but yeah, the arcade game was just a lot of fun. Uh, it it kind of hit at that right time where 
we had kind of weaned off of the hype that we had for Ninja Turtles, I think, because it kind of came after, at least for me anyway, I really got into the cartoons. It was like a couple years later, and it's like, oh, yeah, I love the Ninja Turtles. And it was so much better than that trash NES game of the Ninja Turtles (laughs) that was just so, so terrible. Sometimes it's like we're the same person. (laughs) Next category, action, RPG. And I pose this question to you, Hobbybox. Is there any competition for Diablo? I mean, some would say there might be now with like Path of Exile and then like Torchlight. Torchlight 2 is coming out soon. Torchlight 2 has been out for years and it's a knockoff. I mean, it's a derivative game. Yeah. I I would say, though, no. The actual question is, which is the best Diablo to play co-op? Oh, that is a good one. I am so torn here. Now, Diablo 2 is on my Mount Rushmore of games. Mm -hmm. And I have played many hours of that co-op. I remember when my friend Pat and I played through it literally nonstop one weekend. <laughs> but after a rough launch, they made Diablo 3 awesome, especially mm-hmm. on the console. And yeah. I played through that with Phoenix, and it's one of our favorite games to play together. So I am just so torn on that. I still think Diablo 2 is a better game, but for a co-op experience, I think 3 might be better. Yeah, I, I would actually, just because of... And it's hard because they came out at two very different times. So Yeah, it was like 15 years between the games. Yeah, and it's like, so playing Diablo 2 co-op for me was lugging my huge computer and monitor over to my friend Josh's place. It was liberating to have it on a laptop. Yeah, hooking it up on a, uh, setting it up on a table, hooking them all up together so we could play four players and blow through all of Diablo 2 in one night. From like nine at night until probably eight nine in the morning the next day, just 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 chapping away at people and uh, collecting all the gold and all the loot and going and selling the loot and kind of and just that whole grind. So, I'll say this for Torchlight: having the pet to like sell your stuff for you was an <laughs> awesome innovation. Yeah, Diablo three though just makes it so much easier on consoles to just couch kinda, co-op, dude. Well, not even just couch co-op, like. Like Lance and I played through a lot of that co-op um, online, and it was just while you lived together. No, yeah. no, no. This was this was while I was in Texas and he was in Arizona. Uh-huh. So uh, never beat it though. I'd like to get back to that and try to beat Diablo three at some point. I know I re-downloaded it recently and I paid for the expansion pack, even though I haven't played it yet. Uh, that added the Necromancer class to it. The Necro um, was a little disappointing. That was my favorite class in two, and uh, I also bought it uh, for three, and it's just, it just doesn't have the same magic as Diablo 2. Interesting. But uh, yeah, and, and and really what might push it over the edge for me, and this is just because I'm a stupid idiot, but the right stick to roll... Andy was so much fun and it was just I never it, ran again I just rolled it yeah, well right and when why would you need to do anything else and didn't rolling like destroy like I the, think so the, all the things then so you don't have to just sit there and you just roll through stuff and then there's all the loot it's so easy <laughs> so easy oh Diablo what a great franchise and you yes. know I, I poo-pooed Torchlight but I love those games too yeah they're fun I just don't think they're a big step forward next category Massively multiplayer online role-playing game, MMORPG, go Burns, go. So the the funny thing is you wanted me to jump into Final Fantasy fourteen, but Final Four, Fantasy fourteen's weird because obviously when you go into the different uh, raids and boss battles and stuff like that, you're always getting lumped with either three other or seven other or 
up to 16, 32 other people. I just did one that was, I think it was a 24 person raid, uh, which is insane and convoluted. Just things flying, effects flashing everywhere. Just trying to run and keep your head wrapped around some things. Final Fantasy 14 is a fantastic game. I don't know if I could talk about that here. So what I'm actually going to jump into is I'm going to jump into Shadows of the Old... No, not Shadows of the Old Republic. Gosh, the Old Republic. Star Wars, oh. the Old Republic. Aw. Um, that is the last MMORPG I really got into. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. So I played through bits of that with you. Your character I, was maybe a guy. Maybe a guy. Spelled like maybe from uh, Arrested Development. She was a female Imperial officer in the what the spy class, I believe it was. I think what set that apart for me is it was really fun to play through missions with other characters, not only because you're just sitting there chatting with your friends, but also you get to see a little bit of what that class's story is as well. And that was the thing that I really loved about The Old Republic was that they put so much detail into the story quests for each character class and it was just so much fun to see that develop. And then having kind of that that Bioware flair with your side characters that you do different quests for them too, which made it almost feel like even though you're playing single player, you're playing at co-op with the computer. But it's still, it's like those other companions that you start to care about to that level also. It was just a perfect blending of your single player big RPGs with then that online format to be able to do the larger raid battles and stuff like that, and then having some of the flying stuff in there as well. I just, I, I thought that that was really fun to play um, through a couple of different ways with you guys. Never made it to the level cap in that. I got pretty close with my uh, Sith, um, dom- not Dominator, Juggernaut, something like that. I can't remember. Drummer, the name of the class. judging by your hand motions. <laughs> yeah, drummer. That was me using my two lightsabers to hit someone, I guess. Boy, that's a trip down memory lane for The me. Old Republic was a blast. It was a blast, and that game was kind of a turning point in my life. I came out right after I moved back to Minnesota. I quit working in baseball. Uh, I got my first professional job after baseball while we were playing that game, and so I let my subscription last. That job didn't work out, but things kind of took off with Phoenix, and uh, I've never really had time for an MMO since. Well, see, because you're living the MMO of life. I am living the MMO of life, and I am effing crushing it, Burns. Life is awesome. <laughs> See, that's good. Uh, I was going to mention Guild Wars 2. Feeney and I played it a little bit together. It was fun, but you know, it didn't super-duper draw us in, and then our uh, desktop kind of crapped out, and so we were down to a one-computer household, and that was kind of it for Guild Wars. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. I love MMOs, by the way. I really love them. It's just I cannot commit the time. Like I have looked longingly at Final Fantasy fourteen and I know that you love it and yeah. Eric Rivard loves it and I want it, but I just you know I barely find time to play Monster Hunter. I couldn't possibly take on an MMO. Yeah, FF is fantastic. I have put two hundred and seventy some hours into that. I'm through most of the content of the first expansion, so two more to go to get fully caught up. I would highly recommend it, but you're going to have to put a lot of time into it to get through all the content. But I do say once you get along to the original level cap, the story really picks up and it gets really interesting. And I would also highly recommend the no clip documentaries, sort of the behind the scenes of Final Fantasy 14. I think it's called Final Fantasy 14 Death and Rebirth. Because it's all about how they basically had to reboot the entire game while they were running it because it was such a failure. So interesting, so fascinating to get a look behind 
what happened to it and who like the group of people that came together to try to resurrect it um, into probably it's arguably the most popular one now because wow has been kind of waning a little bit with some popularity except for wow classic coming out now i refuse to believe that final fantasy 14 has overtaken wow it's i think in maybe not in users but i think in mindshare it's starting to get there one of the highest rated games of the year is the newest expansion to Final Fantasy XIV. And it just happened to hit at the same time as the most recent expansion for WoW, which most WoW players actively and aggressively hate. Huh. And so it's going to be interesting to see what might win out from there. Well, WoW's been a juggernaut for... A long time. 13 years or so. I mean, you know, even Blizzard will misstep at some point. I loved WoW, by the way. Like, WoW Classic is super intriguing to me. I got out of WoW when uh, they nerfed the amount of experience that it took to get the level cap because I'm like, this is bullshit. I work really hard. I'm not <laughs> a level cap yet. I'm never playing this game again. And uh-huh. I didn't. I'd quit like 15 times prior to that. <laughs> that was what finally got me out of it. Anyways, our next genre is arguably my favorite, role-playing games. Now, I see I didn't give you an opportunity to put anything in here. Did you want to lead this discussion, or should we jump into mine? No, we can jump into yours, because I think it's the same for me. I couldn't think of anything else that would fall into a role-playing game category other than this one. Yeah, and it's interesting, because when I hear role-playing game, I think epic single-player fantasy adventure. I think The Witcher, Fallout, things like that. Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, like these... Space One that I love so much. Shepard is the main character. Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm tired, dude. I still haven't played those games. Oh, you're missing out. I know. But there is one that stands out because it has multiplayer. It is Divinity Original Sin and, more recently, Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. I, These games are great. They're great. Uh, so it it takes what used to be a very solitary experience in those sort of isometric Baldur's Gate games. And I love those effing games, man. Yes. I I played Planescape Torment a ton back in the day. Really loved that. I have pre-ordered the set of all of those coming out on PlayStation 4. Really looking forward to kind of jumping through all of them because I never really had the chance to play them. Real quick aside, if it was the original versions, I'd be more excited, but it's all the enhanced versions because the original code was all like lost when someone's basement flooded. Yeah, it's crazy how much that happens. Video game history, man. It's... Wild. Well, Final Fantasy VIII. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why it didn't get remastered sooner was because of licensing issues with one of the main music tracks from the game. The other reason is because supposedly they didn't have the original PlayStation code. So they, and it happened with Final Fantasy VII as well, because Square at that time wasn't thinking forward which isn't surprising with some of the missteps that Square's made in the past. But what they actually ended up doing and what like Final Fantasy VII, the enhanced edition, is made off of now, the remastered one that's out there, is that's based off of the PC port that was done by IDOS before they were purchased by, by Square. That is wild. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really kind of fascinating how that works. And there's so many games that have been lost. Um, there's interesting stories that you hear on different podcasts about how developers would go back 10 years later to the building because they knew they put the source code for a disc up above like in like the ceiling of the office that they were working and they go back there to get that so that they could have it now and not lose the game forever it's just fascinating stuff it is i mean you write a book and you know there's more copies of it out there somewhere Mm -hmm. 
Anyways, Divinity Original Sin. It is an epic fantasy RPG. You start out as two characters, and then you find uh, other characters along the way, so you have a party of four. I think the really interesting thing that they do with the co-op, because when you think co-op, especially in all of the other games that we're looking through, you're all actively doing things at the same time. With this, you actually have a turn-based strategy, and so... It's it's interesting because it's a little bit different of a co-op feel because somebody else will be doing things. But while that person is acting, you're kind of looking through, okay, maybe I should do this. And you could talk to the other person. It's like, okay, so I'm on fire right now. Can you please put out the rain with you or the other dude so that then I can get put out? So I don't die here. I'll have my chick shoot him with a flame arrow, and then I'm going to try to do this. It's just, and then it's, you'll probably throw a barrel somewhere randomly on the battlefield. That is true. I did I did have an issue. That, and it wasn't like a hay bale or a big box that we got from a quest, and I thought, this has to be important. We didn't get it from a quest. You just <laughs> found it somewhere, and you were lugging it around. Also, you talk to every animal that we saw in this game. I do, and I haven't taken the animal talking thing yet, which you would think would be smart if I'm talking to all the animals. Anyways, if you like fantasy <laughs> role-playing games and you want to play with a friend, like you can't beat these games. Yeah, like you can assign the characters different ways. So, like I can control three characters and give you one, or we mm-hmm. split it up two and two. So, if you want to play with someone who wants to just focus on their one character, they can really dive in and handle that. You have dialogue options with each other, and it just it's really cool to share the experience of a full-fledged deep RPG with somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's surprising how much fun it is. And I am actually looking forward to jumping through, playing through Divinity Original Sin one more, and then maybe even seeing with two, you can play with four players fully co-op. And so that would be interesting to see if it would be our same group of four players that do co-op, I don't know how that would translate to this. I know Lance oh, really likes Original Sin. The chaos that you and I would bring would just be magical. <laughs> I would ruin Lance's experience. So sports. You can play some sports games cooperatively. I used to play a lot of NHL 2K with my friends on Xbox 360. I hear that people get into online leagues on NBA 2K. Are there any other sports experiences that would be better playing with friends? So I've talked about NCAA and how we played that, but that was more of a competitive experience, even though you're playing in the same league. So I'm actually going to talk about Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES. Now, how you is play that? Two players on the same team? So no, but what we would always do is my friend Adam and I, we would get together either at his place or my place, wherever we were hanging out, wherever we were staying the night or what. At the old pizza vault. Not not at not at Pizza Vid. Um, so it was it was the video vault first when it was in the oh. bank, and then he moved to open up Pizza Vid. But oh. it's it's hey, that's that's quite the memory on my uh, <laughs> on my olden days here. But no, Tecmo Super Bowl. So the and it has to be not Tecmo Bowl. That bullshit without the NFL license is garbage. Tecmo Super Bowl. What we would do, we were always the Vikings because you always have to be the Minnesota Vikings. And he was the offensive coordinator. I was a defensive coordinator. And so he would call the plays. I would sometimes throw them like, well, I think they're going to do this again. So do this. And then I was always defense coordinator and Keith Millard just boom, boom, boom. I mean, it was pretty easy, kind of easy button, uh, but it was fun. And it was just like you're calling a game and you're 
razzing the other person. It's like, well, why didn't you score there? I told you you should have done this. Or, you know, well, they ran the same play three times. You'd think you could stop it once. You know, <laughs> and It was just it was a lot of good it stuff. Was, it was a lot of fun to kind of play through that whole game uh, through a season that way and try to win the Super Bowl. I thought of a fun sports mashup based on recent headlines. Oh, yeah. I think that EA Sports has the license for the UFC games, right? Yes. What if they put a fighting mode within Madden? You know, you get pissed <laughs> off at your general manager. He gives you a fine or something. You can go over and practice and try to start a physical altercation with them. And then, you know, still start on Monday night. Well, when you're one of the best players in the world, you know, you get a little leeway with, you know, trying to punch your boss in the face. Apparently. Apparently. I'll just see. I'm pretty important at work. I'll have to see if I punch my boss in the face what happens then. Yeah, I got a new boss. I like him. I don't think I'm going to, you know, start any S with him right yeah, now. Yeah, I really like my boss, too, so I won't do that. Yeah. Uh, co-op party games. Last subject on our list. I think these are both your titles, so go ahead. Yeah, I just I felt like it would feel weird if we didn't say something about these two games. Um, Overcooked. So much fun. Have you ever played Overcooked? I have played Overcooked. The first time I played it, I wound up spitting whiskey onto a friend's porch. <laughs> so we were playing with, uh, we call ourselves like the nerd group or something, but it's my friend Brian, who you met, and Scott, who did the podcast with oh, me, yeah, okay. and Billy, who we play Monster Hunter with, and another friend who I guess is still anonymous. And the one time Brian played, he was actively trying to sabotage us. <laughs> like we're all running around doing our stuff, barking out orders, and someone's like, why the F is the fire extinguisher always right in my way? <laughs> it turns out because Brian is not a team player. <laughs> so it was almost competitive at that point. Yeah. Or, or like betrayal. Betrayal overcooked. <laughs> we found the betrayer. <laughs> and then we didn't let Brian play anymore. He um, just watched us. Yeah, overcooked. I had so much fun. And I've only played it cooperative one time, but I've 100%ed it by myself. <laughs> There's something sad in that comment, but I'm just going to roll past you're, it. You're a trophy hunter. I get it. I am. Well, and I just, I really enjoyed playing the game. It's just so much fun. And playing it, because you control two different characters and you swap through it when you play it single player. So it adds a really interesting dynamic. Okay, I need to be this person. I need to do this. I need to switch over to this person. Throw something to the other guy. Do this. And it's just, it's a really interesting sort of almost strategy aspect at that point. It was Lance Bridget and John and myself and just running through, yelling at each other yeah. to like, okay, I need this over here now. And and they do a really good job of kind of ramping things up as time goes on, making things more difficult, separating players so you have to communicate a lot more. Overcooked 2, I think, makes it a lot more interesting game too because you can throw food a lot easier now, which just adds extra elements to it. And the, the missions get a lot more elaborate. But that is just... I think that's a game that is really fun to just sort of throw out there and let people kind of just enjoy it. It's just it's stressful for sure, but it is a lot of fun to just go out and play. And then the other thing, and it's kind of competitive, really you're from a cooperative standpoint creating all the pieces of it would be the Jackbox Party Pack games. Now, I've never played these, but my understanding is that you just draw wieners. <laughs> um. <laughs> I probably can't really deny that. Uh, I would excel at this game. <laughs> <laughs> but what the Jackbox Party Pack games are is each one's a collection of five different games that you play. And you run it through your basically any sort of electronic device that hooks up to a TV or a monitor. You can play it with and then you run everything on your phone. So each player has to have a phone. Uh, some games are up to four players. Some of them go up to six or eight uh, it all depends upon the game mode. And then what you're doing is it's 
as simple as just playing trivia against each other to another level where you're trying to create t-shirts and so everybody has to draw a bunch of different drawings that could be put on t-shirts and then everybody comes up with slogans that could go on t-shirts i want to play this game with Dewhouse so badly <laughs> i would just troll him relentlessly we should really get you and me and Dewhouse and casey together and just go nuts i mean i i think that would we've done that before for parties where it's just we had a bunch of people over and we just played through all five of the jackbox games just jumping into the ones that we really liked and yeah tko tends to always be one of the favorites tee is a t-shirt ko because you're just designing t-shirts and so you come up with all that stuff and then what you do is you get a set of a set of images and then a set of slogans and you mix them together to try to make the best t-shirts yes. and you can change the shirt color and stuff like that but otherwise you have to stick with the drawing as is and the slogans as are as they are and then what happens is then it's a t-shirt battle so then the two t-shirts will be up there everybody votes for which one they like best that one stays if it wins up against the next t-shirt and you just kind of vote through it the really fun thing which i haven't done yet mostly because most of them are pretty lewd and crude but you can then purchase the t-shirts that after the game awesome. and have them sent to you and you can you can wear your own sick perverted t-shirt that is a gift that Patrick would love on his boat in Florida. <laughs> so, yeah. So I would highly recommend the Jackbox games. Uh, the most recent one has a – it's like a rap battle game in it where you tell these robots that are speech-to-text. You fill out rap verses for them to sing, and it's like a rap battle back and forth. And it's just so much fun. It's competitive in that you're trying to win the games, but really it's more so about coming up with crazy shit and then sort of playing off of that with the other people around you, which, which is just lots of fun. It sounds awesome. We should totally do that sometime. For sure. So that is the bulk of our show. Any other games you want to talk about, Joey? No, I I really do think we've covered all of the bases. And, you know, a lot of these are more hardcore games, so if that's not really you, we're sorry, but there are some really awesome experiences out there, and these are some of the ones that we love the most. I think we both come in pretty similarly. We love sharing video games as, like, a thing that we do with our friends yeah i mean i i tend to um i have a little bit of disposable income from time to time and i tend to i tend to impulsively buy games a lot and i'm always more than happy to lend them out to friends you know sometimes tom sometimes usually other me and then i never ever ever <laughs> play them or give them back so i have quite the library right now i'm much more of a bargain hunter i love a good deal so mm-hmm. like i am always watching for games on sale like every game i have a degree of interest and then i match up a price point with that interest and mm-hmm. if i find the game at or below that price point i ask for permission for my wife to buy it you know what the really interesting thing is that we i guess we talked about it last week a little bit our last time a little bit we haven't really talked about overwatch in this episode at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I view that as a competitive shooter. That's like true. It's squad-based, and man, I love Overwatch. Like, if it weren't for Monster Hunter, <laughs> I'd be playing a lot more Overwatch. Yeah. That's an awesome game, too. Yeah, Overwatch is tons of fun. That's also one of those really good games to, if you have a group of people, you know, that you know together and jump into it, it's just a lot of fun. The only downside when you have a full group, like you travel everywhere as a team and sometimes the matchmaking can get a little bogged down. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but it is definitely way more fun with friends, especially friends that are better than you. Or you get matched up with a team of six that always plays together that's like triple maxed out their levels has like all the stars around their picture and you're just like oh we're gonna get fucked up yeah sometimes it's fun to be drugged behind the woodshed (laughs) so next month feeny will be back we're going to do a show on hairy wizards if you're intrigued you're gonna have to check out that show 
Thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate when my friends mention something that happened in an episode. Like we, I pour my heart into this show. It's a passion project for me. I love that I've done it every month this year. I appreciate that Joey's been able to come along for so much of this journey. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment, please remember to review us on your favorite podcast platform. The only review we have on iTunes is mine. Talking about how much I love these guys. I actually, while waiting to get started today, reviewed it as well. Yes. All right. We just doubled our review up. But... <laughs> I gave it one star. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can follow us on social. You can email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter machine at Tom underscore underscore awesome and hoppyboxburns. Follow us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated. Don't you snicker, Burns. I'm going to get through this. Follow us on Instagram at outside underscore overrated pod. Anything else you want to say, Burnsy? You just said the Facebook again. It made me chuckle. (laughs) We'll see you next month. Stay inside, kids. transition that i just derailed it that's all right i think that'll be pretty funny (laughs) we're always sticking it in four aren't we (laughs) i mean i always wondered why they called it the five hole in hockey do you know why they call it the five hole in hockey at all I assume there's four other holes, and that's the fifth one in the sequence. I, I guess. So it's like if you put your hands and People arms can't out, see your arms, Joe. I know, but if you put your hands and arms out in a star, is it like one, two, three, four, then five is the crotch? Sure seems like it. I always I always really wished that like a goalie was bad enough that you always you called him five hole because he always let the thing go through there. And then if the team went on like the western swing, you could say five hole goes west. I just always wished, like, if I would have actually went into sports writing, I would have maybe tried to wedge that in somewhere. It's weird that you ended up here of all places. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, I'm not doing that for a living.